What's up, everyone? This is Becca Fay. I'm your director of education here at Hybrid. We're excited to bring you a brand new series for the Hybrid Unlimited podcast. We've come through our extensive library of educational content from YouTube to Instagram to our exclusive hybrid courses, and we've transformed them into Hybrid Unlimited episodes featuring our team's takes on the most misunderstood concepts in training and nutrition. All you have to do is slap on some headphones and get ready to learn while you lift. Let's get into today's topic. When it comes to the back squat, the bench press, and the deadlift, there is really nothing worse than getting halfway or even 75% through your lift and then getting pinned beneath the barbell or missing your lockout or just not being able to get the bar off the ground barely at all. You grind for what seems like a lifetime without moving an inch just to succumb to the sticking point. You can consider this episode of Hybrid Unlimited to be your ultimate guide to fixing your sticking points. We pulled audio from our sticking points series on YouTube to bring you today's episode. So be sure to head over to Steffi's channel to check out those videos for the visuals and movement demonstrations of all the accessory work and technique drills mentioned by Steffi and the team in this episode. Let's get into it. What's up, everyone? It's your favorite podcast producer, Nick Tricana, here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at Element. Listen, you're not getting enough electrolytes or salt in your diet. I see it. Steffi sees it. Hayden sees it. We all see it. Element is an electrolyte drink mix with no sugar, no artificial ingredients, and no BS. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially those on low-carb diets, practice intermittent fasting, are physically active, or sweat a lot. But don't just take my word for it. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. U.S. Olympians, players in the NFL, NBA, NHL, and even our own special forces drink Element. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm the pinnacle of self-performance, but ever since Steffi turned me on to Element, I've seen vast improvements in my everyday training and recovery. You guys can try Element today with a totally risk-free, no-questions-asked refund policy. And you know what? Because we love y'all so much over here at Hybrid Unlimited, we're going to hook you up with a free sample pack of Element just for you. Each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid for your free sample pack of eight grab-and-go element packets. Stay salty, my friends. Now back to the podcast. Overcoming sticking points isn't easy. And in fact, it's a topic that might be quite controversial because some people have the belief that you can't quite get rid of them but we can certainly do things to try to ameliorate or lessen the effect that the sticking point has on your lifts because you're only as strong as your weakest link. So it would make sense that we would spend some time to try to make those portions of your lift a little bit stronger so you, you don't get stuck there time after time. So in this video, we're gonna discuss some of the strategies that I've learned over the years um, that I've applied in my own training that you can also do in your training to try to lessen the effects of the sticking point. So we're gonna be talking about technique, identifying weak muscles, dissecting the lifts or doing partial reps, incorporating variable resistance. Oops, I forgot to add speed work. Modifying your grip and your stance. And obviously I wanna encourage everyone to not stick with one of those forever, but maybe try a combination of all of these and try to figure out which ones apply the most for them and help them the most. All right, now let's talk about what this sticking point actually is. This sticking point is simply the portion of the lift where the resistance can't be overcome by the strength of your muscles. 
This can happen for many reasons, either due to improper technique, muscle weakness, or a biomechanically disadvantageous position. There's two mistakes I see a lot of people make. The first one is not addressing it ever and ignoring it, hoping it gets better. And this one is just plain silly, because like I said, you can only be as strong as your weakest link. So if you identify what that link is and focus all of your effort in getting that better, you can directly improve your performance. Second is unloading the movement when you encounter a sticking point. You have to attack this thing head first. You gotta identify what's wrong and then you need to have a plan on how you're gonna fix it. Because when you think about it, we can all lift good and have a lift look really pretty if you're lifting at 50% or 60%. But you truly start seeing how the technique breaks down at higher percentages and that's a skill that you're gonna have to work on on its own. So you can't just simply avoid high intensity weights and hope that by lifting light, it's gonna have a carryover into that heavy, heavy lifts. You have to train yourself and improve the skill of lifting heavy at high percentages as well. Next, let's discuss a few strategies that we can implement in order to ameliorate the sticking point. The first thing you should be doing is addressing your technique. And I'm not talking about the simple execution of a lift, but rather the minor details that go into it. Can you maintain tension throughout the entire lift? So through the eccentric or lowering face and the benton in the squat, can you generate symmetrical and coordinated muscle contractions? And do you understand what constitutes a perfect bar path for each movement? Have you worked on making your bar path as efficient as it could be as possible? So ask yourself those questions first before you move into the next steps that I'm gonna discuss in this video. Now, the second thing you should be looking at is targeting different muscles in isolation once you and your coach have identified which portion of the lift is it that you're missing at the most and what's the muscle that's involved. And in order for you to do that, you need to understand muscle actions. So for example, if you continuously keep missing a bench at the lockout portion, we know that the muscle the most involved in the extension of the elbow is your triceps. So it would involve you doing more exercises that stimulate tricep extension that strengthen your triceps. Another good example is missing, at the, missing the lockout in a deadlift. We know that the muscles the most involved in the, during the lockout of a deadlift are your hip extensors, which are your hamstrings and your glutes. So doing more focused work for the glutes and the hamstrings to strengthen that portion of the lift. The third strategy you might find useful is dissecting the lift or doing partial reps to strengthen that particular portion in the lift. So for example, in the deadlift, you might find useful to use blocks if you struggle with the lockout of the deadlift to strengthen that particular portion of the lift. Now, the main problem I see with that is that you're eliminating the initial portion of the lift, which might be the problem to begin with. So a lot of lifters have a delivery issue, which is, from the floor to the knee is where they're, it's the point that they're missing. It's where they're having the most struggle. So now you're eliminating that portion and you might start getting stronger utilizing the blocks, but you're not really working on what actually needed the work, which was the delivery of the bar. So this one will really depend on what your, what is actually holding your lifts back. The next strategy has to do with incorporating variable resistance into your training. You can do this in two ways. The first one is using bands and the second one is using chains. They're slightly different, and I'm gonna explain the differences between the both. When you use bands, you're making the descent, the lowering portion of a, of a movement, let's say, let's take the squat for example, significantly harder because it's increasing the speed at which you lower, and then as you push up, the resistance increases with the band tension. If you utilize chains, 
then the lower that you go, the less the resistance, and then the higher that you go, the more the resistance, but it's not accelerating you down. They're both useful, and they both might help you to develop more speed and also to work on the concentric phase of a squat, for example. Talking about speed, developing more momentum from the ground up might be another way that you can make your second point feel less challenging. And basically you do this using speed reps, where you take low percentages of your one rep max, low intensity at like 50 or 60%, and you deliberately move it as fast as you can possibly move it. Finally, exercise technique alteration. This is basically modifying the lift to reduce the impact of that sticking point by changing the style of your execution. Specific examples of how this might be achieved include alterations to the grip or the stance width, but you gotta keep in mind that an unfamiliar biomechanical context itself can lead to injury. So any changes that you do should be done in a gradual fashion and using conservative loads until you get familiarized with that newly adopted technique. And finally, just keep in mind that these are not set in stone rules. Rather, this is a combination of um, ideas that I got from this research paper and from my personal experience. So instead of just trying one of them or taking this as a rule, just try playing around with different strategies and figure out which ones work best for you. What's up, everyone? It's your favorite podcast producer, Nick Tricana, here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at Element. Because we love y'all so much over here at Hybrid Unlimited, we're going to hook you up with a free sample pack of Element just for you. Each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com slash hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. So for the squat, we're gonna look at two possible sticking points. One that's above, at the bottom of the, sorry, at the bottom of the squat, and one that's midway through the lift. For both of those scenarios, we're gonna look at possible weak muscles to address, technique alterations that we can do in order to fix that and assistance exercises that might improve your positions in that point where you're missing the lift. All right, the first thing we're gonna look at is the sticking point at the bottom of the squat. Now, we're gonna look at three different things. First thing is which muscles are possibly contributing to you missing at the bottom of the squat. And what are the muscles that you are gonna need to strengthen a little bit more? The two muscles are the adductors and the hamstrings. And while that might be a little bit uh, against your common sense and something that you might not think would play a big role, it actually does. So the adductors is a big group of muscles that has multiple functions. One of the functions of the adductor muscles is one to stab stabilize the pelvis, but they're also a very powerful hip extensor when the hip drops below 90 degrees of hip flexion. So that's the reason why it's of interest to us and to someone that has a sticking point at the bottom of the squat. The second group, muscle group we're gonna talk about is the hamstring muscle. Hamstring muscle is a biarticulate muscle, which means that it crosses two joints. It comes from all the way from the hip, crosses up below the knee behind you. So it has the semitendinosus and semimembranosus behind the knee. It attaches back here. It flexes the knee, but it also extends the hip. So that's why it interests us. Now let's cover two exercises to strengthen the hamstrings that might benefit you. The first one that we're gonna do is an eccentric hamstring RDL with a pause at the bottom. The first thing that you wanna do is you wanna keep the dumbbells at the level of the, the toe box, so far from your body. It's kind of like the opposite that you would do in a regular deadlift. You wanna keep the weight far away from you so you can get a deeper stretch in the hamstrings. 
You want to slow down the descent, so count to three when you're coming down, and then count to three when you're at the bottom. The second exercise we're going to look at is a GHD. Now, the setup for this one is important because it's one that I see a lot of people making mistakes in. The most common mistake people make when they're trying to do a glute ham raise is that they keep their, their pelvis flexed, and they do them like this, and they anteriorly tilt their pelvis. You don't want to do that because that essentially places most of the tension on your hip flexors and you end up completing each rep with your hip flexors instead of with the hamstrings, which is what we intend to do. As far as placement of your knees go on the pad, you may start with your knees further back on the pad and slowly work your way to bring your knees higher up. This is easier because essentially you have more surface area in contact with the pad, which provides increased assistance. And when you put your knees further up on the pad, that increases the challenge or the difficulty of the movement. I actually just thought about this idea too. Um, I told you guys that you can do it assisted with a partner, but some of you might train alone and not have a partner. So what you can do is if you have a PVC pipe, if you don't have it, buy it because it's really cheap. And what you can do is just use this as assistance. So essentially you're gonna work your way down using the PVC pipe, and then you can work your way up on the PVC pipe as well. Now let's look at a couple exercises that target the adductor muscle group specifically. The first exercise we're gonna do is a Copenhagen adductor plank, an exercise that's gained a lot of popularity in sports in general that we can also use that will translate into our squat and deadlift. Not only is this particular exercise really great at increasing adductor stability and strength, but it's also great as far as injury prevention comes. Um, there's a lot of research behind it that performing more of this exercise prevents the recurrence of groin-related injuries. The first way that you can do this exercise is a modified version. This version is not only easier, but it's also a good variation for people that get medial knee pain. Essentially, you're just holding that there for 30, 45 seconds, repeating that three or four times. I usually prescribe this as an accumulated uh, amount of time that you have to perform it. So usually I prescribe three minutes of accumulated time. Now, once you graduate from that, and if you want to increase the challenge of the exercise, you can move further away from the bench. Even further, yeah. So you can hold it there, or you can even move further away. And that one is like, the, this one is the most difficult, difficult one. And then you can also flutter the bottom leg, so go down and up. Yep. So you also get the other adductor on the other side. How's that? Yeah. All right, second exercise, really simple. We're gonna do a hip thrust with an adductor med ball squeeze. You can put really anything in between your, in between your thighs that encourages you to bring your thighs together and squeeze. So you just wanna keep that tension all throughout the entire range of motion of the hip thrust and go from the bottom, squeeze all the way up and hold it there for a couple seconds and back down. I love this exercise because it really caters to what the function of the adductor muscle group is, which is adduction or bringing the thighs in, as well as hip extension at or below 90 degrees. So this is one of my favorite exercises to target the adductors. I think is one that will greatly benefit a lot of people. Now that we're done talking about specific muscles that might be increasing the likelihood of you having that sticking point right there at the bottom of the back squat, we can move on to other things. 
The next thing I want to talk about is motor control because this applies to really any movement that you do. Motor control is basically your ability to produce coordinated and synchronized muscle contractions. And we can see faults in motor control in the squat being a limiting factor as well. An example I can think about is a vertical jump. We know that those athletes that can jump the highest are the ones that can switch from eccentric to concentric the fastest. So that spend the least amount of time at the bottom. We can argue that the same ha thing happens in a squat when people are not good at switching gears from the eccentric phase to the concentric phase likely they can they can get stuck at the bottom of a squat because they don't have that ability to, to coordinate to synchronize the switch between slowing down the barbell and then pushing the barbell up so that's one thing that you also need to think about we already went through specific exercises to target those muscles that might need a little bit more a little bit extra work now a drill that you can do in order to improve that motor control coordination and that switching gears between the eccentric phase and the concentric phase is a tempo squat. And that basically just involves decreasing the speed of when you're going from top to bottom to the squat, because that allows you to be a little bit more mindful and connected with the movement instead of just a really fast drop that might lead to you losing tension at the bottom of the squat and getting pinned or, or, or missing, the, missing the squat at the bottom. So just slowing down to the, the descent of the squat, again, might allow you to create a stronger mind-muscle connection and allow you to be more coordinated and stay tighter at the bottom of the squat so you can come out of it easier. We've already gone through which muscles we need to target as well as what are some technique alterations and specific drills that we need to do if your sticking point is at the bottom of the squat. Let's cover which muscle groups you would need to focus on more and which drills you could incorporate if your sticking point is at 90 degrees or slightly above or midway through a squat essentially. Now the two muscle groups that I want to focus on if this scenario applies to you are the quads and the glutes. Now your quads extend your knees and your glutes extend your hips. So it could be a case for either of those muscles. So let's cover a couple of movements for the quads and a couple of movements for the hamstrings. Take these just simply as suggested exercises because I really don't believe there's a best exercise to target the quads because essentially any lower body exercise that you can think of can become a quad exercise. You simply think about the further away from your body your knees are from your center of mass, the more it's a quad dominant exercise. Same thing goes for the hips. The further away the hips are from your center of gravity, the more hip dominant an exercise is. The first exercise we're gonna look at is the heel elevated goblet squat. And the reason why we do that is because usually the limiting factor for allowing the knees to come further in front of you is gonna be ankle flexibility, so by elevating your heels, you're getting rid of that limiting factor, which allows you to move your knees further in front. And finally, we're gonna look at an exercise to develop more your glutes. Now this exercise requires a lot of mindfulness and there's a lot of technique involved in order to perform it correctly. Just make sure that you're, that you're doing, if you're taking the necessary steps to learn the technique of this movement and 
don't put too much weight on the bar if you're not ready for it. Uh, this exercise is called a good morning. Basically what you're gonna do, you're gonna put the barbell on your back in the same position that you would do a squat in. Bend the knees just a little bit, so don't have your knees fully locked out. And then I just bend at the hip and go as low as I feel comfortable. Next, let's look at technically what are some of the faults that might be contributing to this as well. Two things jump into my mind when I think about someone missing a squat halfway through. The first one is not being able to generate enough acceleration or speed coming off the bottom of the squat. And the second one is inadequate tension being produced in the lowering face. Now let's talk about that one first. Usually you see this in people that have a really, really fast descent and then they get dumped at the bottom because they get put out of position. I think about this as someone who's an archer. You don't usually think about trying to aim for a target with a really sloppy cocking uh, process of the, of the arrow. Rather, you want to be in control, set, and then go. The squat is no different than that. You want to make sure that during the descent, every single muscle in your hips is performing the action that it's supposed to so it can generate the most amount of stability and put you in the right position so that when you're at the bottom of the squat you can push off and remain in the in the appropriate position now there's a neurological concept that's called successive induction and that's basically activating the antagonist muscles to a joint in order to produce a secondary stronger muscle contraction now in the hips you don't think about the hip flexors as a primary muscle in a squat because they really aren't. They are antagonist muscles. They're opposing to the muscles that are um, going to be acting upon the hip joint during the ascent of the squat. But the hip flexors and the adductors provide a huge amount of stability during the squat. Now, the way I like to think about it is thinking about when you're lowering, contracting your hip flexors and trying to externally rotate your feet a little bit onto the ground so you can call upon or summon those small stabilizing muscles on your hip so that when you're at the bottom of the squat you're really tight and in position so you can push off. Another drill that I like to do, if you're a trainer this is a great exercise that you can teach your clients. You're gonna push my push my hands up your face or push your legs onto your face. Yep, hold it there and then lower, let me win. Yeah, so you feel your hip flexors working a lot more, right? Do it again. That's essentially the concept that I try to, to teach people about successive induction and about maintaining tension throughout the entire lift. It's a hard thing to conceptualize because in the lowering phase, you don't think about the hip flexors as, as a muscle that's contributing to anything in the squat. But once you understand, once you, once you start mapping, up, mapping out that connection between the hips just being engaged throughout the movement so you can generate more tension, then it starts making a lot more sense. But this is a really good cue that you can use in order to make it more tangible for people to digest what essentially I'm trying to say. All right, and the second thing was people not gener generating enough acceleration from the bottom to the top. And for that, you can just incorporate more work using bands. So basically the bands or accommodating resistance, you could be their bands or chains. Basically what that does is it increases the difficulty of the lift as you're coming up. And so it just helps you generate more speed and helps you recruit more muscle fibers as you're coming up from the squat. I think this video ended up being way longer than I anticipated. I wanted to try to make it short and sweet. 
uh, so it's easier to digest but it might be a little bit longer than we than we expected. But anyway, I just wanted to uh, put out some closing thoughts, <clears throat> also, and, and, and add and add a point that I think it's really it's really important for people to understand. Uh, there's a quote by Sebastian Oreb, Australian strength coach, that he said, "Work on your weaknesses, but don't neglect your strengths." And that made so much sense to me because obviously it is important for you to identify and target your weaknesses and work on them. But a mistake that a lot of people make is that they go, they, they swing the pendulum too far into the other direction and start working too much on their weaknesses and not and don't keep working on whatever is working for you. So just remember, all of these suggestions are essentially accessories, are things that you need to add into your program. But don't try to change too many variables at the same time because it doesn't provide for a systematized way to essentially solve what the issue is. You don't want to change too many things at the same time and you don't want to change your plan completely, especially if what you're doing currently is working, whatever technique you're using is working for you. All right, friends, that's it for this week's episode of Hybrid Unlimited. We hope you enjoyed it and maybe even learned a little something. Be sure to connect with us on social media, share this episode with your friends and help Hybrid on our mission to spread strength. We'll see you next week.